Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your August 2nd game day edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Game day is finally here. It has been 145 days since the Flyers last played a game with meaning. Now you may say this game doesn't have meaning because it's not part of a best of seven or best of five play in series for the Philadelphia Flyers, but it does have meaning in the sense that it is for seeding in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and we will get to a full look at the NHL scoreboard from Saturday night's action. Saturday, I should say, games from noon till 1 in the morning. We'll get you uh, caught up on everything that happened in the NHL. But like I said, it's been 145 days since the Flyers last played, and they will drop the puck on their round robin coming up this afternoon, 3 o'clock, and I can't wait. (laughs) A lot of people can't wait. Uh, will Tuka Rask be available in this game for the Boston Bruins? He missed practice yesterday. That's a question. Uh, we may know that by the time you hear this, but at taping, we don't know that. Uh, we don't know uh, exactly what the lineup will be for these teams, for the Flyers included, who will be in the lineup and who will not be in the lineup. Those decisions will be interesting as well. We'll hear from Mike Yo in this episode. He had a, dra- a chance to address the media after Saturday's practice, as did Nate Thompson. A couple joint availabilities in this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, and first we'll get to, after Mike Yo, we'll hear from Nate Thompson and Kevin Hayes. And Carter Hart and Robert Haig also had a joint availability. So we'll bring those to you as well in preparation for this game today. Before we get to the scoreboard, let's look at the Uh, past season of the Flyers versus the Bruins. They played three times this year. Uh, The first meeting came early in the season. It was actually a big spot in the schedule. It was on November 10th. It was a weekend game on a Sunday. And the thing that makes this one really interesting is this was part of the, it was the fourth win in a row for the Flyers, their longest streak at that point in the season. And they'd, uh, going into that game, had two home wins against Carolina and Montreal, a 4-1 and 3-2 overtime win against Montreal at the Wells Fargo Center. And then they had a Saturday-Sunday game, both against top teams in the Atlantic Division. Saturday was against Toronto, where the Flyers got a 3-2 shootout win. Then they had to turn around, go through customs, go to Boston for a back-to-back road game, and got another 3-2 shootout victory. Brian Elliott got the win against Toronto on Saturday. Carter Hart got the victory against Boston on Sunday. That moved the Flyers' record at that time to 10-5-2. That was game one between the Flyers and the Bruins. The second game between the Flyers and Bruins is perhaps one of the most memorable moments of the entire season because it was at a point in the season where the Flyers were trying to get their legs back under them. Uh, they had not. They lost uh, back-to-back games for the last time on June, January 4th and January 7th. Came home from that road trip, a seven-game trip, beat the Washington Capitals, and then on that Saturday they lost one to nothing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They played a great game, a fluky goal on a puck that Matt Niskanen tried to bat down his own zone. Ended up on the on the stick of, if I'm remembering right. Patrick Maroon got the lone goal in that game. I think I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, and then the Flyers, that next game after the one nothing loss, had to take on Boston at the Wells Fargo Center. They were down 5-2 to two in this game, and they ended up coming back, getting the game tied in the third period. Got a late second period goal to make it 5-3. Two goals in the third to force overtime. No goals in the three-on-three overtime. And then we know how that one ended. That was when Brad Marchand whiffed on the, um, on the shootout attempt 
giving the Flyers the win. He touched the puck, it moved, it counted as an attempt, and the Flyers got the victory. So they win that one 6-5. to five. So the first two games, Flyers win both of them in sh- the shootout. Uh, and then the last game they played against Boston was, of course, the last game 145 days ago. Flyers had won nine straight games going into that one, uh, lost to the Boston Bruins 2 to nothing at the Wells Fargo Center, and that's when the league was put on pause basically two days later on March 12th. So Flyers, two wins over the Boston Bruins, one loss uh, for Boston. They end up going 0, uh, 1-0 and 2 on the season, and the Flyers obviously go uh, two and one on the season against the Boston Bruins. And that'll be the opponent today. We'll see the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday and the Washington Capitals on Saturday, but it begins today. All right, let's take a look at the NHL scoreboard from a full slate of games in the National Hockey League on the first day of the return to play. And what a moment it was when they dropped the puck on that first game at noon. The Rangers take it on Carolina. And it was just the culmination. You never thought the day would get here where would be watching games again and to see it happen and to see it unfold all the work that the league and the players association gary bettman bill daly uh donald fear and the executive committee and the executive committee and all the work that they put in to finally come to fruition to uh the nhl games being played again this year um it felt really good but let's get to some scores, and we start with that first game that kicked off the slate of the NHL Best of Five series. It was the Rangers taking on the Hurricanes. The Rangers come into the game with a 37-33-6 and record. They were outside the playoff picture. They would not have been uh, a playoff team had they gone by points percentage, but with the expanded playoffs, they get in. Uh, really, Carolina dictated for most of this game, but the Rangers did push a flurry at the end as Igor Shosturkin did not get the start for the New York Rangers. Injured himself on Friday in practice, so they got to bring in the King. And Henrik Lundqvist against a team in the uh, Carolina Hurricanes in his career uh, has been very good. Not only his career, but also this season. And when you look at the, the situation, Lundqvist, he's dominated the Canes. He went 3-0 this year against the Canes with a 2-3-3 goals against average and a 9-47 save percentage. That's this season. And in his career, 33-12-1 with two shutouts, uh, a two-flat goals against average and a 9-34 save percentage in 46 appearances against them. So you're thinking, well, Shesterkin can't go. You got the King going. You're probably in good shape. He played terrific in the hockey game as Carolina dictated play, but the Rangers end up going down in game one. Uh, the score in that one, three to two. And the team that wins game one by the numbers here, best of five, 82% of the time they win a series. Hard to beat an NHL team three games uh, out of four to come back in a series. And obviously all the pressure in the world uh, goes on to the Rangers in this situation being down. And the Canes will to put a stranglehold on that series uh, coming up in Game 2. The Blackhawks, a 12-versus-5 facing the Oilers in Edmonton at Rogers Place. But it was the Blackhawks who came out flying in this hockey game. Four first-period goals, two more in the second. 6-4 is your final. Uh, Corey Crawford, who had COVID-19, backstops the Blackhawks to a huge victory. And that's your first big upset of the Stanley Cup playoffs when a 12-seed in the Blackhawks upset a team, a five-seed in the Edmonton Oilers. A lot of people didn't think that was possible, but right there, your first upset of the 2020 NHL Stanley Cup postseason. The Islanders end up doubling up the Panthers. Panthers uh, got really good goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky, but unable to generate nearly enough offense, and the Islanders do what they do best, and they clamp down. 2-1 your score in that game. A primetime game Saturday night between the Penguins and the Canadians in Toronto.
And how about this result? After earlier today, a 12 seed in the Blackhawks beat the Oilers. Another 12 seed beats a 5 seed as the Montreal Canadiens, La Habitante, beats the Penguins in overtime 3-2 on a Jeff Petrie overtime goal. Unbelievable what has happened on day one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Carey Price worth the price of admission, even though there wasn't any fans in the stands. 39 saves on 41 shots. The only time the Pens beat them in this game was when they just bombarded the crease in the blue paint, making it very difficult for Carey Price. And even when they did that, he was still fantastic. Matt Murray, 32 saves in the loss, 35 shots for Montreal. But the Penguins go down in Game 1. And as I tweeted this out last night, the math for the Oilers, a 5-seed, and for the Penguins, a 5-seed is not good. Because in a best-of-five series, now, they haven't had best-of-five in the NHL since the 80s, but still, the math is the math. And when a team loses game one of a best-of-five series, they lose the series 82% of the time. And in this situation, this is even more pronounced in the, in the sense that both the Oilers and the Penguins came in as prohibitive favorites. A lot of people predicting sweep for at least the Penguins and maybe even the Oilers. And both teams find themselves down one game to none. Now you have to win three out of four, which is always difficult to do in the National Hockey League. The teams that beat them in the Blackhawks and Canadians now have got a ton of confidence and all the pressure moves to the original favorite, which is the Penguins and the Oilers. So this is getting very interesting very early here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Again, the Oilers go down 6-4 to against the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Penguins go down in overtime behind a great goaltending performance by Carey Price. It's what everyone talked about. Price can steal a series. Price can steal a game. Price can steal game one. Well, that's exactly what happened. And you got to give... Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, credit too. They were bombarded in the first 10 minutes of this game. And because of the goaltending of Price, who had 17 saves in the first period, uh, they stemmed it off. They got their legs under them. They got the first goal of the game. Then the game was tied. Then they got the second goal, which I didn't like that Matt Murray gave up. I didn't think it was a good goal, but Nick Suzuki. Uh, but that being said, will the Penguins go to Tristan Jari in game two? I don't think so. They could, but I doubt they will. But obviously, two results that nobody Yours, yours truly included, was expecting in, a, in two five seeds going down in game one. And, and when that happens, 82% of the time, the team that loses game one in a best of five ends up losing the series. Will one of these teams come back? Will both of these teams come back in the Oilers and the Penguins? We shall see. This is the variables of uh, playing post-pandemic in a very unique situation and the things that can happen. And in hockey, the margin between winning and losing is is so fine, and the, and both the Canadians and the Blackhawks found a way to get the job done. All right, let's get to some post-practice sound from after practice on Saturday as the Flyers prepare for game day today against the Boston Bruins. Here's Flyers assistant coach Mike Yo addressing the media. Hi, Coach. How are you? Um, coach, uh, uh, Mr. Cassidy said earlier that the game wasn't going to be as, as intense tomorrow. Uh, based off the Rangers game where there was a fight with two minutes in. Are you expecting it to be an intense uh, game? I know head coach A.B. earlier in the week said that it was a matter of just getting, you know, the players back to 
normal rhythm getting her games back but are you in are you expecting an intense game of like uh, I guess physicality purposes sir yeah you know what I am um you know I certainly not gonna um dwell on things that they say or, or what they're expecting because um that's a very experienced group over there that's a group that's won a lot of games and um so I think that uh, on our part it would be kind of foolish to to buy into the notion that, that they're not going to be ready to play. Um, I think more importantly for us, obviously, there's an opportunity at stake here. Um, you know, starting tomorrow, we have the chance to, to improve our situation, um, to, to put ourselves in a position, um, you know, heading into uh, the playoffs where we can get a higher seed, um, which obviously is going to be very important and, and, uh, and, and provide some great motivation for us. But I think more importantly, if we want to be playing at our best hockey when the puck drops for game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, then we need to bring that intensity, that emotion, and we need to start finding it tomorrow. There are a couple different philosophies when it comes to constructing a third pair. Some teams, you know, they shelter them a bit, a little bit more offensively oriented. Other teams kind of stick with a more defensive philosophy obviously the the third pair you guys are using now the the braun hag pair is a little bit more on that defensive side is that the type of third pair that you tend to prefer in, in a playoff type atmosphere um or do you not really have a preference either way i i think um i would i would not say that i have a preference necessarily i, I think that sometimes you can have a preference based on um a the the opponent that you're playing, how their team is constructed, what the matchups might uh, might be. Um, some of it could factor into how those players are going to fit into um, specific uh, uh, special teams roles. Maybe that player uh, really provides something on the power play, which is something that's obviously going to be huge in the playoffs as well as that penalty kill. Um, but typically uh, it's a little bit more of how it affects the chemistry of the group. Um, the roles that everybody has and the level that those players are playing at. So uh, I can say that we don't necessarily have an idea in our mind of, of what we want to see uh, when, when we start game one of the playoffs, obviously this is what we're going with tomorrow. Um, but we are also going to use this opportunity, these games to evaluate the players and, and to figure out what we need uh, moving forward. Yeah. Hi Mike. Uh, with no fans there tomorrow uh, and throughout the tournament, obviously, do the assistant coaches and coaches have to play a larger role as far as uh, getting the energy up and motivating uh, things that the fans usually, you know, can help to supply? Yeah. Well, Sam, I think we have to maybe watch what we say a little bit more, more often because some of it's not going to get drowned out from that fan noise, but uh, you know, it, it, it's new to all of us. And uh, you know, I said that before, coming here that they didn't really know how um, how it was going to affect the intensity, how it was going to affect the emotion of the game. I was talking with Matt Niskanen about it, asked him about his experience, and he's obviously had a lot of experience. He said it was very similar to playing in an outdoor game. You watch outdoor games, and there's still intensity, there's still emotion, um, and, uh, and the players are certainly up for those games. I feel it's going to be the same thing. Got a chance to watch some playoff hockey today. Um, some of the play in games and there's intensity. You can see it right off the drop of the puck. Um, but that said, that's always our job as coaches. You know, I think that there's times where sometimes you have to try to settle your team down. You have to read off of that. There's other times where you have to pick your team up 
and uh, you know I feel pretty good about the group uh, you know the, the experience that we have within our group that we should be able to recognize those moments. Uh, I know Elaine said uh, he planned on playing more than 20 guys in this round robin portion of the tournament. Um, do you know if you all have plans of playing Shane a game, a game during this round robin? Um, and just what, what do you like about the top, you know, your top six right now? And why is it kind of so difficult to try to fit him in sometimes? Yeah, you know, what I would say is that I really like the depth that we have on defense. And Shane is obviously part of that. I thought Mark Freeman played a heck of a game last game as well. Um, in a perfect world, we'll, we'll get everybody in. We'll, we'll get everybody in more often. I can say that, uh, that, you know, we've obviously discussed these things, but I also think that we have to be pretty fluid with, with uh, you know, our plan moving forward. Our, our goal is to try to identify um, the group that is going to give us the best chance to win game one, as well as make sure that everybody's prepared, whether that's the guys that are in that game or whether guys that might factor in a little bit later into the series or deeper into the playoffs. So uh, these are the things that we're all trying to weigh right now. And, uh, and really our mindset is this is the lineup that we're going with tomorrow. Um, and then obviously we've got a, a little bit of time in between that game and, and the following game where we can, uh, you know, evaluate uh, where we're at in terms of uh, personnel. And if we feel comfortable with that group, if we feel it's the best decision, if guys need more minutes, if guys need more, more reps, or if somebody else needs to get in there and, and, and show us what they can do. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Just another uh, question about Shane. You work with the defenseman, so you've probably seen him closer than anybody else. How tough was that decision to not write his name in the top six for tomorrow? And how has he looked since having the, the two knee surgeries versus earlier in the season? Yeah, well, um, it, it's very difficult. First of all, you want all those guys to succeed, um, whether they're in the lineup, whether they're out of the lineup. Uh, working with them closer, you you see the work that they put in, you know how bad they want it, you have those conversations with them. Shane recognizes a, a great opportunity here, obviously. He also recognizes that, uh, you know, with injuries, with the play of some people, uh, obviously, you know, his position in the lineup has slipped a little bit. Um, so he is very understanding of that, and he's had a, an outstanding work ethic and an outstanding attitude. And uh, the one thing with his knee being healthy, I feel like he has more pop, he has more jump um, than when he did earlier in the year. So uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for him. I, I, I think that when you have that internal pressure, it, it helps the rest of the group uh, perform at a higher level. Uh, and, and we know that we have a guy in Shane, whether it's uh, the following game or, or later on down the road, he can come in and he could be a real story in a, in, in a playoff round and, and a, in a playoff run. Mike, uh, can there be a ripple effect in lineup decisions, for example? You're liking how uh, Scott Lawton looks with, with Kevin Hayes, and that can have a, an effect in other places in the lineup, such as you know, a possible decision with Joel Barabee. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think what we're doing tomorrow, you look at the lineup, and, and obviously Kevin Hayes' line is going to stay the same. Um, they, were, they were very dangerous last game, created an awful lot of scoring chances. And lots is a, a big part of that. Uh, he certainly was last game anyways. And much like we were talking about with the defense, we, we don't have a definitive plan. We, we're, we, you know, AB did a great job setting the table of that with the players right from day one of camp here that, uh, that, you know, the leash is short for everybody. Basically you have to perform, you have to go out, you have to get the job done. And we have a lot of good players that are capable if, if, if you're not going to get it done. 
Um, you know, so that line, they did a good job last game, created a lot of scoring chances, got a big goal for us. Uh, we're going to keep them again uh, together tomorrow. Hazy and, uh, and, and Lots have a lot of chemistry on the PK. So that kind of fits in well as well when they are line mates. Um, and then with the way that the, the third and fourth lines are constructed, that's, that, that's just obviously something that we're going to go with tomorrow. Joel's had a good camp. You know, last game, uh, it was a bit of a different situation for him, obviously, for a player like that, uh, you know, compared to playing on the second line, playing on the fourth line. Those are the things that he's uh, trying to figure out as a younger player. But his work ethic is outstanding. His hockey sense is outstanding. He's had a great practice today. And obviously, we are well, very well aware of what he's capable of. And, uh, and he will certainly be factoring into every one of our conversations as far as both getting in the lineup and, 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 and where he fits in the lineup. Yeah, Mike, based on the, the lines you're at today, it looks like Aubie Cabell then will be the third line right winger. Can you talk about the, what he's done in camp to, uh, to move up a spot in the lineup? I, yeah, I think that we would probably all agree his camp has, has, has been decent. Um, he's, we don't feel that he's necessarily at the same level he was, uh, you know, when the season went on pause, but that's also very normal. Uh, number one, for a younger player. Number two, we've just had so much time off and we've only played one game. Um, but I would say that a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, his speed, his presence on the forecheck, his ability to recover pucks, is something that we feel could really uh, uh, complement that line. Uh, he brings a lot of energy. You think about playoff hockey, you always think about physicality. You think about some of the teams that we're playing against and how big and how strong some of their defensemen are. And so, uh, you know, his weight and his strength uh, on the puck could play a real factor. So uh, we, we, we think that uh, he's deserved that opportunity to get up there and then obviously uh, you know, like all the other things that we're discussing here, he's going to have to take advantage of that opportunity. And hopefully uh, he does, because that, uh, that obviously would really give us some, uh, a, a different dynamic to that line. Mike, uh, you mentioned a couple times the importance of, of depth. And obviously in, in every playoff, depth is really important. But is there an expectation on the part of the coaching staff that this particular playoffs with the fact that, you know, there was a four-month pause, that guys are jumping right back in that there might be more injuries even than usual and that depth is even more important in this playoffs. Yeah, I would, you know, that, that is certainly something that, that we have talked about. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you go from, you go from usually into the regular season where you're, you're ramping up your, your pace of play, your intensity. Um, and then you go right from there into the playoffs. Obviously that's not the case. Uh, so the, the, the jump in intensity, the jump in physicality, um, the, the jump in how difficult the play is for the players, obviously that's something that could happen. Um, and, and I really do feel that depth is going to play a huge factor. It does every year. If you want to have success in the playoffs, you need to have the ability to make adjustments. You need to have the ability um, to, to move pieces around when there are injuries. We feel very comfortable with that depth that we have. We, we do feel that we've got a, a, a number of possible situations, number of different um, options at different positions, and, and that, that I really do feel is a strength of our group. Part of that all-star coaching staff, Mike Yo, uh, working with the defensemen and working on the PK, he's done a terrific job for the Flyers uh, this entire season. Another big part, 
If the Flyers are going to have success in these playoffs, it's going to be an addition that came in the offseason. That would be Kevin Hayes. He had a joint availability with a trade deadline acquisition. Nate Thompson, who has played 62 NHL postseason games, here they are addressing the media. Kevin, first, uh, uh, how excited are you to be able to play a game tomorrow, a real game, first time in 143 days? Yeah, um, obviously it's it's been a while, uh, especially where we left off as a team. Um, we've been trying our hardest to get back there, but but no, it's exciting. Uh, games are starting to matter. Um, you can practice as much as you want, but nothing really uh, emulates a game, and I know all the guys are really excited. Yeah, I think I'll just echo what he said. I mean, I think, um, you know, you see the games are starting today. You saw the intensity of the first couple of games, and um, – you know, I think every guy wants to get back to that intensity and, you know, play at the high level games. And, you know, this is what it's all about is playoff hockey. So to have a chance to, uh, to do this and, uh, you know, to get it going, I think uh, myself and everybody included is really excited. Hi guys. Uh, this question is for Nate. Nate, I know you, you've spoken about how you think this group is pretty special from, um, you know, other teams that you've been on in the past um, and that they were pretty welcoming right from the shoot. Uh, what is it about this group that kind of made them um, kind of stand out in your mind? Well, I, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, th th this group has a lot of fun together. Um, you know, I saw that right from I got, you know, right from when I got here, me and uh, Derek Grant. But I think, um, you know, you can, it's a core group of guys there that's been here for a while. But I think, uh, you know, it's it's an inclusive group. You know, everyone's brought into the herd, and uh, that's what it's kind of been like since I've been here. You know, I feel like I've been here for a lot longer than I have been. Um, it's just because, you know, uh, this, this core group of guys here, everyone else, you know, everyone hangs out together. Um, you know, whenever we do something, everyone's together. So it's just one of those things where, you know, I've been on a lot of different teams and uh, the teams that I've been on that are good, um, you know, have had that, uh, you know, that special group of guys where everyone hangs out and everyone's been together. So uh, this group has that and uh, I'm just, uh, you know, happy to be a part of it. Uh, actually, just as kind of a follow-up to that question, how important is that that tightness, that close-knitness when it comes to making a playoff run? And could it even be more important in this environment considering how different it is from the usual playoffs? Yeah, I, I think you look at the teams that have won in the past, and I think every, every guy will tell you that it was a close-knit team. I, I don't think you can win if you don't have a you know a close group and a, you know, a special group of guys. So, um you know, and especially in this case, you know, we're with each other a lot right now. So uh, we're going to spend a lot of time together. But it's, uh, you know, the way I'm looking at this right now, this is kind of a once in a lifetime experience to be able to, uh, you know, go through this and, uh, you know, go through this with, uh, you know, this group of guys and hopefully uh, have a chance to do something special. Hi, Kevin, this is for you. Um, how do you feel about playing with the two chirpiest players on the team, uh, on your line, obviously, uh, but they are two very good players who play very well, though? Yeah, I think our line uh, is uh, hopefully going to form something special. We got good combination of a uh, bit of everything. Uh, Scotty obviously is is uh, he's a hard nosed player. He gets in gets in on the forecheck, gets under the other team's skin, and and uh, has a, has some skill to his game as well. And then, I mean, playing with an all star in TK, it's it's uh, it's very easy to play with a guy like him. And I think uh, both those guys know that. When, when I enter the zone with the puck, I'm looking for them and looking for them to get a scoring chance. And um, I thought during the season when we were together, we, we played really well. And over these last couple of weeks, we've been playing playing together and playing playing some good hockey. Yeah, uh, Kevin, it, it, there's a chance that Rask will not play tomorrow. 
and that uh, Halak uh, will be in the lineup for Boston. If that's the case, do you do anything differently? I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's it's playoff time. Uh, I don't think it matters anything the opponent does. It's it's more what what your team does and how you prepare and and uh, what you do to get ready for the game. Um, I know in our locker room we're we're really focused on on what we're going to bring to the game and system we're going to play and the effort that we're going to give. And hopefully if, if we do that the right way, we'll come out on top. Nate Thompson's one of those guys that would get trade that gets traded every year at the deadline. If the team he's on is not going to the playoffs. Why is that? Because he's one of those guys that you need to win in the playoffs. He's gone on a couple pretty decent runs back in 24, 15 uh, with the Anaheim ducks. He went on a 12 game playoff run, uh, 2010, he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, played in 18 playoff games that year. 2016-17, again with Anaheim, 17 playoff games. This is a guy that's gone through those wars and uh, gone on some pretty pronounced long runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's hoping to go on the longest of runs in these playoffs up in Toronto as the Flyers begin today against the Boston Bruins. Also a first... How about Carter Hart? His first Stanley Cup NHL playoff game will happen this afternoon. He had uh, a chance to meet with the media alongside defenseman Robert Haig. Question for both of you. It's been a long time, almost five months, since you played a meaningful game. Uh, what's the excitement level from both of you as you get ready for this game? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, we got into a game there on Tuesday, which was nice to get back into playing a game. Like you said, it's been five months for, for all of us, so we're all in the same boat um, coming into this bubble and having not played a game of hockey in a long time. So, um, or at least a meaningful hockey game. So um, tomorrow will be nice to get out there. Um, I'm sure the emotions will be high uh, being our first game. Uh, we're playing, playing for something and uh, we're playing to improve our seating. So um, it'll just be nice to get out there and, and uh, play an intense hockey game. I mean, I can only agree with that. Uh, it's games you want to play instead of skating around in practice. So look forward for it tomorrow. Carter, it's not exactly your first playoff game that's going to come on the 11th, but what's your mindset right now going into this game? It's your first real postseason action. Does, does your preparation change? Is your mindset any different? Uh, no. Um, like I said, it's we're coming into – we got our game in on Tuesday and then – uh, now we're playing a meaningful hockey game, so uh, but preparation stays the same for all of us. Uh, we always prepare the same no matter what for, for each game. Obviously, we do a little bit of different pre-scouting um, for what team we're playing, but um, preparation stays the same. We'll go to Jamie Basco. This question is for you, Robert. Um, you got some taste of playoff experience in 2017-18. Is it a little different now, knowing that you have a spot in the lineup? I don't know if it's different, but uh, the only thing I remember from those two games is everything went so much faster and quicker, so you have to be on your toes. And uh, as the coaching staff has been saying, like everybody has a short lead, so you have to perform to be able to play. So, I mean, I'm looking forward for tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Robert, this is for you. Um, have you heard from Oscar Lindblom, and, and do you know if he's either going to be watching or has he made it to Toronto? Is he with you guys? I don't know. I haven't talked to him. Hi, guys. Uh, this question is for Carter, and it's about Robert. Uh, just what does Robert do, that, um, in, especially in, in the defensive zone, that makes your job easier? 
Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, Bobby plays a hard game. Um, he brings a lot of grit. He plays the game the right way um, as a goalie. I mean, he loves to block shots. I don't know if he loves to block them, but he does it. And as a goalie, you got to love that and appreciate that. And um, just how hard he competes. And I mean, he's an intimidating force out there when he's playing. And I know some guys, when they get under his skin, you don't want to be on that other side. So um, we're lucky to have Bobby out there on the back end. Last question will be from Jamie Baskow. Carter, this is for you. Um, do you feel that your WJC time playing with uh, Canada, um, does that alleviate some pressure off of you for playing uh, playoff hockey? Or has that given you some experience to play playoff hockey? Yeah, I mean, having gone through those different experiences definitely helps. Um, I mean, being this playoff round or playoff go here, it's going to be different than obviously the rest. And I mean, obviously it's my first time playing in a playoff game, but um, it's different for everybody. It's we're playing with no fans and we're in a bubble. So it's something that everybody's got to adjust to and adapt. Carter Hart and Robert Haig addressing the media. It is game day. We'll give you a full recap and analysis and who knows might, who knows who might show up during uh, tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. So make sure you check it out. We are back to seven days a week. Please leave us a rating and review if you can as well. We appreciate listening to Flyers Daily, which is presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode. Are we celebrating a win or are we commiserating over an L? Find out by watching the game today, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily.